0: Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing. Grab your coffee and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job Easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey, happy new year, everybody, and welcome back to the next chapter, the next year of the Best Practices and Human Resource podcast. I'm Brenda, and I am here to help you share with you the what and the how in human resources. I'm in the human business, which means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage, and it gets pretty wild. But, uh, new year. New exciting stuff, lots of changes coming down, so we're going to get right into it. Um, Most importantly, we are going to talk today about employment poster updates. We're going to take a look at employment law changes across the nation. Um, We've got our main episode is going to be workplace challenges for 2020. We've got the HR question of the day, and I'm going to share with you how you can get my best practices delivered right to your inbox. And before we go on, folks, I just want to make sure that you guys know that the information that is available in this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should consult your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me and I might be able to refer one to you through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, so let's get into everybody's favorite poster updates. It's a new year, new laws being put into place, so we'll go ahead and rattle off the list. Hasn't really changed too much from the last episode, but if you are over in the states of Vermont, South Dakota, Oregon, Ohio, Montana, Minnesota, Maine, Florida, Arizona, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Washington State, you guys all have poster changes. Again, that's Vermont, South Dakota, Oregon, Ohio, Montana, Minnesota, Maine, Florida, Arizona, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Washington State, you guys have poster updates. So here's what you can do you can throw all of those threatening notices away (laughs) that you get in the mail saying your posters are out of date, your posters are out of date. Well they might be out of date but you don't need to like freak out about it and you don't need to buy into that kind of marketing. So if you go over to our friends over at Labor Law Compliance Center and you purchase your posters you have to make sure you have the federal and the state up and if you're a federal contractor you have to have the federal, the state, and the federal contractors poster all posted in your workplace in those common areas. If you put in the code over at Labor Law Compliance Center, posters 2020, you can get 25% off on your posters. If you don't know where to go, Labor Law Compliance Center, you can also hop on over to our website over at bestpractices.org. Click on the affiliates link and you'll be able to connect right on over there. And We've got the code programmed in or at least listed right there as well. So just in case you're running around, driving, you can't really write this down. Don't worry, you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast. Just hop on over to our website, and we'll have the information there for you. Okay, enough of that stuff. All right, so let's talk about what's going on with employment law changes across the nation. So as it sits right now, the NLRB is allowing employers to stop deducting union dues after expiration of the collective bargaining agreement. So that, I believe, is a relatively new thing that's bubbled up. So if you're in an organization that has a collective bargaining agreement, just know when that agreement expires, you don't have to be collecting dues, okay? Also, um, (laughs) lots of states are making changes to their minimum wage updates for 2020. It's January 1st today. That means the majority of these are going into place as we speak. They usually tick off in the first day of the new year. If you don't know, then you need to definitely research to find out if your state or the states that you operate in are being impacted by that. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the main segment today, just a little bit. Also, under uh, the U.S. House has actually passed a health worker violence bill, and we'll see where that goes next. It is very likely that we may see a presidential veto on that, but I just want to let you know, that there is a law that or a bill that's currently in a, that is going through the system in its process to become a law targeting and focuses around health worker violence. <clears throat> Over in Connecticut, Connecticut has retained the 80 20 tip credential rule in the new wage and hour legislation that rolled out not so long ago. So, if you're in Connecticut, make sure you're dipping into that. Over New Jersey, New Jersey is the next state, uh, the most recent state that has banned hairstyles as a form of discrimination. So this is an extension of the laws, what this basically is. So I know we talk about, you know, Dr. No Scar VP. We've got, you know, Title VII. That's all that's related. But these types of things are an extension to that. Also, in New York, how can you guys prepare for the New York SHIELD Act? That is a new act that's coming down the pike. If you're over in New York, you're definitely going to want to check that out. And then lastly, because there really isn't much going on, believe it, the first day of the year, but there's a lot more that's going to be rolling out, mark my words, in the next couple of weeks. Pittsburgh, uh, Paid Sick Days Act will actually take effect. Uh, so make sure that you guys are putting what you need in place in order to be compliant. Now I have something for you guys going into the new year. In regards to these updates, um, I'm gonna have a place for you to read up on these and read these call outs that I'm doing in the future, and I'm gonna share this with you at the end of this episode. So definitely stay tuned for that. Alrighty, folks, so for today's segment, we're gonna be talking about three workplace challenges that every company is going to be experiencing in 2020. Um, this doesn't matter if you're small, doesn't matter if you're big everybody's going to be faced with these and it's a great thing to start thinking through because some of these actually believe it or not don't have answers to them but they're going to be things for you guys to think through as to how you're going to deal with them as and if and when they come up and uh, how to move forward for a very prosperous 2020. All right so the first one mentioned it in the news updates that came out um, that there's a lot of there's a lot of states out there that have rolled out updates to their uh, minimum wages now that's going to be the first challenge, is making sure that you guys are able to pay your employees the appropriate minimum wage. Now, this may seem kind of mundane since the federal wage currently is at $7.25 an hour. However, there is a national movement to actually increase it to up to $15 an hour, and some states are well on their way. Okay? Federal contractors are required to pay employees no less than $10.80 per hour effective today, January 1st. Okay, so if you guys haven't updated it, make sure you get your system updated and you are paying your employees no less than $10.80 an hour. Those are, again, just for federal contractors. Now, here's a two-part challenge that comes with minimum wage. Okay, first, if you're making deductions for a debt that is owed to the company from an employee's last paycheck. So let's say, for example, they had a travel advance and they didn't, you know, reconcile it yet or uh, they did a tuition reimbursement and... Then all of a sudden afterwards, you know, they're still within their terms of that agreement. They decided to leave the company and they owe the company money back. You guys have to make sure that the last check, if you're making those deductions for a debt that is owed to your company from an employee's last check that contains wages. This does not include deductions from what somebody's getting in a PTO cash out. Then by law, you need to ensure that the employee does not get paid less than minimum wage. And there are companies that will actually take the whole check. Can't do that. You got to be very careful. You have to make sure that the employee is still getting minimum wage by law. Now, does it mean that you can deduct the whole amount out of the last check with PTO if there's a PTO payout? More than likely, the answer is going to be yes, but you do need to check with your state regulations as to whether you can do that or not. I know here in Virginia it's a non-issue, but so I don't want to say yay or nay. But PTO or paid time off or vacation or sick leave or, or whatever it is that you're actually, those accruals, those aren't considered wages. Those are fringe and those are benefits. Okay, So that doesn't mean that those are still applicable to the minimum wage laws. It's only in pertaining to actual wages earned. Now, subscribed human capital management or payroll systems will typically not permit companies from withholding more than minimum wage, which presents like really a nice safeguard. However, companies that manage their own payroll software on their own servers and are permitted to make changes to deduction parameters could potentially open themselves up to this risk. So you guys are going to have to look at your parameter settings. You may have to work with your IT department. If not, whoever uh, the database administrator is or whoever has administrative rights can definitely uh, make those adjustments. So you're going to have to make sure that you're you're keeping up with those things. Also, with multi-state minimum wage enforcement, it's going to get a great deal more complicated. So you guys have to get real clear about <clears throat> who it is, where it is, how much it is, what you can do, what you can't do Okay, when it comes to paying minimum wage. This is something that's going to probably—it's coming up in a lot of things that I'm reading, which tells me that it's probably somebody's eyes are watching it. Okay. All right. Second challenge: preventing discrimination with employment applications. Okay. This is, got, this is going to be increasingly becoming more complex. It happened in 2019, and I really don't anticipate it changing anytime soon. So. Right now, 35 states prohibit employers from inquiring on an applicant's criminal background during the actual application process. It says nothing to do with doing a background check, which if you've listened to the episode with Eddie Penny and I, we talked about why you want to do a background check. But another conversation, right? We've already got that out there. So you can no longer do it during the application process, all right? They're not permitting questions around salary history, on top of that, and companies are going to have to need to evaluate their employment applications to ensure that there aren't any questions that will open an employer up for any type of legal challenges. Now, in addition to that, Generation Z is coming into the workforce, and studies are showing that they're going to be a much larger workforce than Generation Y, and that they have a shorter span of patience for longer processes. Now, this isn't this isn't a negative connotation that I'm putting out there. I'm not slamming the next generation, but it is. Studies are shown that they simply want to use technology efficiently. Um, so. You guys are going to really have to pay attention to your employment applications. And some people might say, well, let's just get rid of them altogether. Well, don't do that. All right. So I know a lot of companies out there don't use employment applications. I'm going to be honest with you. It's foolhardy not to do so, especially when you have a well-written one. And yes, some of them are long. But you know what? That's okay because it's capturing necessary information that helps mitigate risk to your company. Okay. It captures a lot of information if it's done right. So you have to find where's the medium, where's the happy medium in an application that will be able to suffice for the multiple states or just even the one state that you operate in. And it's doable because I've done it. Okay, challenge number three. This also correlates with going on what's going on with Generation Z. So how do you incorporate Generation Z into the workplace and avoid some of the mistakes that as a workforce, in my humble opinion, we made with generation Y, okay? I'm saying this based off of what I observed in many companies including one that I a couple of them that I worked with and the articles that I've read, the conversations I've had with leaders literally going back to about 2008. Now, in 2007, I remember sitting in a meeting when I worked for a large company where my boss introduced some kind of interesting statistical information to us about Generation Y and what we should expect in the workplace. And I sat in that meeting and I remember watching, I'm a people watcher, that's kind of what I do. You can just sit me down somewhere and I'll just sit and watch people. I'll be some old lady hanging out at a mall just or wherever, just sitting around watching people and kind of taking in everything that they do. But I I watched the team that I worked with, and it was a fairly large team at the time, and I watched these inquisitive people really take in the new data, but I also watched the same people turn around in six months and really launch their first tirade against Generation Y. It was really weird. And what didn't happen was our leader, our, our boss of the whole department, he actually failed to help facilitate a mindset and an atmosphere of collaboration to figure out how how one we can adapt and change to a new generation coming in with known facts about how they operate. And then number two, how we can roll that out to the rest of the company. Because we were in that position where we, you know, we helped launch initiatives. That's what we did. <clears throat> so the most vocal of the team's dissenters, believe it or not, we're baby boomers, right? And that's the generation who gave birth to millennials and the generation who nurtures them and makes them grow up. And But they were the ones that actually voiced the greatest level of frustration, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and the topic of learning about Gen Y was actually never discussed again, not once. And I was with that department for quite a while, for about three years total. So once it was never discussed again, our boss never made any attempt to openly call the negativity when it came up in a lot of our future meetings, so it was actually really disheartening because, like I said, <clears throat> we were one of the teams that supported implementation of really important strategic initiatives in the country, in the in the company. So I felt like this was a huge miss on our part. Um, I think we have an opportunity to prevent that quote-unquote cultural shock from happening with our Gen Z workforce and to take steps become better prepared. All right. So there's some things that we can start to take note now because this generation isn't like generation Y. In fact, they show more tendencies of being similar to Gen Xers like myself. And I think that they are going to be able to provide an interesting and a refreshing dynamic in the workplace. So here's what we do know so far. This generation has never known a day without a cell phone. (laughs) how old do you feel right now, right? (laughs) Generation Y, when they entered the workforce, never knew a day without a computer or the Internet. And as a result, Gen Z now requires that instant gratification. Now, so does Gen Y in a little bit different way. What Gen Z requires as far as instant gratification goes is that they they also demand faster processes in order to get it as well. All right. So not only do they want instant gratification, and access to information, they want the they want a faster process to getting it. OK. They are the highest users of apps of any kind that are out there, either on your laptop or on your phone or, you know, game boxes or whatever. If there's an app, they are the highest user of it. They were young during the Great Recession and they saw their parents work through and survive it. So therefore. They have started to demonstrate that they are more apt to save their money invest for long-term retirement more so than Gen Y or even Gen X. They perform and respond well to gamification to build their employee engagement in the workplace, and they also look to use more immediate methods of communication, such like instant messengers and programs such as Slack channels, which, by the way, we are going to be talking significantly about Slack and and channels of Slack channel natured. Forms of communication, I know that didn't make sense, sorry, (laughs) during episode 43. So definitely join us for that one. It's like a shameless plug for the own show. Um, Challenges that are going to be around and that will likely impact smaller businesses due to a more complex and costly IT infrastructure involve these things that they want. okay. <clears throat> it doesn't make sense to put all those things into a smaller workforce, and those are these are some considerations that businesses are going to have to put into place. Is it something that they can do? Is it something that makes sense that they can do? And is it something that they can afford to do? Okay. So the big question is, what are you doing to prepare for this next generation to enter the workforce? What are you doing to find that education and foster balance amongst four generations? Now, we've had four generations in the workforce. For a while, okay, before the boomers started to retire, we had the silent generation at the very, very tail end of that. They are now long since retired, they're elderly, no longer in the workforce, but our boomers are, and our boomers really are starting to leave and are now in a position after the recession has you know ended and we've recovered from it for the most part, um, are being able to afford to retire at this point at least better than they did ten years ago. Okay. So there's a lot of institutional knowledge that has to still be transferred over uh, from that generation into younger generations. But that's really one of the challenges is how do you find all these balances? How can you find the balance between new technology and and established employment laws? Okay, especially around artificial intelligence. Okay. Those are the types of things that are gonna be attracting and retaining gen z in the workplace and that level of talent okay these are all interesting questions and like i said some of these really don't even have any answers to them just yet because we're really we're right at the we're right at the beginning of all this and this is a great time um you know to get yourself inspired on this stuff um you know i want to hear what you have to say about this i would love to hear what you guys are doing to prepare yourself or not for generation z coming into the workplace and i think this is really the kickoff year to do it i think if you wait another year or another two years you're going to be behind the eight ball on this one okay but i would love for you to go ahead and throw out there what you guys are doing stay tuned to find out where you can enter the conversation at the back end of the show. And uh, this is a real opportunity for us as an HR community to come together and help solve these challenges in the workplace. And I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say. So today, I'd like to give a couple of shout-outs. First name, I apologize. I'm going to botch the (laughs) sum. I know I am. I'm so sorry. I believe the username is (laughs) platplatemrot over on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for the feedback, and I really appreciate your comment. I did see what you left, and thank you very much. Uh, Message received. Um, Adam over on LinkedIn, thank you again for the shout-out on my quote, which is my number one rule in life. You guys have heard me. Say it in the past, you're going to hear me say it in the future. It is what I live and die by, and that quote is, in the absence of information, people make stuff up. I learned that from a boss of mine. I've never forgotten it, and holy cow, is it true. Something that I'm well aware of is how awesome and exciting the HR field is. It's a really rewarding career full of never-ending changes, and it's very meaningful work, which is why I was so attracted to the industry. But I'm also aware of its challenges and the limitations it poses, especially one of them being as an HR person of one, an HR army of one. I know what it feels like to do this job as a beginner to an expert. I know what it's like to try and find the answers in a sea of information. And when you do find that answer, you still have that doubt in your mind as to if you have all of it or are even like partially correct or mostly correct and it can be a very isolating field to work in because there really is only so many people that you can talk to about HR-related things. you got to keep it very contain- contained so you do tend to feel very isolated. Well, today I'm thrilled to announce a new online community for those of you who are in the HR field. Uh, this community is open to those who are established HR champions, to those who are aspiring to become one. Okay, it's a nice big range. Um, I was traveling a few months ago and was inspired to contribute to women in HR as part of this little flurry of information that popped up in my head. And I am, as a result, on a mission to connect with 20,000 women in HR to positively impact the lives of 1 million employees. That is my mission, and I'm inviting you guys to be part of it. Um, On Monday, January 6, 2020, the doors are officially open to the NextGen Women in HR site, This is an excellent, great place where women can come and connect. We can share resources and go deep into learning how to perform the HR functions with tools and current resources that will help you get ahead. Okay. Most importantly, this is a great place to get support, especially if you are an HR person of one, or let's say, for example, you're a director and you have, you know, somebody that's a subordinate, or you may have two subordinates, but they're not at that level that you can have those conversations with it's really hard i mean what we do let's face it it's challenging okay there isn't anything easy about it there's nothing in the handbook that says what we do is easy or anybody's does it's easy and if it did we wouldn't call it work right i would love for you guys to join us okay join us by visiting the best website and click on the next gen women in hr link above and register okay get into the group 2020 is that time okay 2020, it's time to get that clear focus on you and your future in this industry. This decade is going to get continually more challenging and it's going to present new challenges. A lot like some of the ones that I talked on the show earlier. Okay, If you're not ready to jump into the site, no worries launch with me on the new Facebook group, Next Gen Women in HR, and get some of the support and the connection that you need for the future as well. It's not as in-depth as the site is, but it's a definitely a good place to start. Okay, So there's two places to connect. Start with the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group, and if you want to go deeper and get access to tools, those resources, ask for help, find a mentor, participate in networking events, and connect one-on-one with other HR champions, Join the Next Gen Women in HR site at bestpractices.work. Now, if you're driving or if you're running on the treadmill and you're on your commute or home to and from work and you don't really have the ability to write all this down, don't worry about it. Shoot me a message on any one of my social sites and I'll be happy to direct you. Or you can go ahead and click on the Connect link at the top of the bestpractices.work website and I'm going to get you the information that you need. And yes, we like our HR guys too, so definitely you guys come on in. Now on Monday, January 6th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to be kicking off the first major topic of conversation via Facebook Live. And this is going to be in the next Gen Women in HR Facebook group. Okay? So you have to access the group, join the group on Facebook in order to participate in this. And we're gonna be presenting a case study on Starbucks and what some of the takeaways are that you can employ in your own HR efforts, right? This is a cool case study. I've worked this case study a couple of times before um, and it's pretty awesome. You're also, as a result of that, in the site, you'll be able to go ahead and access the tools that I'm actually talking about as part of the the live launch, okay? I invite all of you to join in, become part of the conversation to find your focus and get that 2020 vision in place. get inspired because inspiration is what creates motivation and it demands action to be realized you'll see me in these sites every day and I cannot wait I cannot wait you have no idea I cannot wait (laughs) to connect with you guys I am super excited about this I have been driving people nuts (laughs) with this but you know what the feedback that I've gotten all positive right people are excited to get in and do this I'm excited to get into this. Literally, it keeps me up at night because I just can't wait because I know what this is going to do for people who are in the admin role, people who are doing HR as part of their role, and you know they may be doing it 35, 45, 50% of the time, and they just don't have the access. But you know what? They also don't have the time to go look for this stuff. Okay? It's going to be epic. It's just going to be awesome. Now, I also mentioned earlier that in the episode you can read the HR news announcements that I share on the podcast show, this one in particular, and ones that I don't. I include more. Okay? The links to these articles are now part of the Next Gen Women in HR site on the Best Practices Work website, the bestpractices.work website. Right? All this information is updated on a weekly basis, it comes out every Monday. And it's what helps me stay current in my profession as an HR pro. And it will absolutely do the same for you. Because none of this stuff is consolidated. <laughs> it is all over the place. I have multiple channels that bring this information into me. And uh, and it's it takes, it, I read a lot throughout the week. But you know what? I want to make sure that I share that stuff with you guys as well. So I look forward to connecting with you. And I cannot wait to have you part of this tribe. Super excited about it okay you can also email me your hr questions and submit your questions on the best practices work website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu and down towards the bottom of that page is a submission form for you to post your own question which i may read and answer on an upcoming episode so here's an interesting question and this actually came out of recent holiday party events that how would you handle an employee who refuses to attend a company party well you know what, here's the deal. We talked about a couple episodes ago, um, making about what, you know, to drink or not to drink. That's the big question. That was the name of the episode. I can't remember the name of the number, but that's all right. But we talked about it <clears throat> and the big question of that episode was around, you know, do we serve alcohol? Do we not serve alcohol? I never got into what happens when you have an employee. Who doesn't want to attend a party and mainly because we weren't talking about they we were talking about booze right and what happens when you have it and what happens when you don't one of the big takeaways though that was from that web from that particular episode was making parties voluntary okay when you don't have when you have an employee that refuses to attend a party it can it it kind of gets to you because This is a way that an employer, one of many ways that an employer can and does show gratitude towards employees and celebrates the hard work. But you're going to have those employees. It's one thing if an employee has multiple events that day and they can't attend. Okay, fine. We get that, right? You may have a family reunion some way. You may be traveling on vacation. Totally understand. But what happens when you have somebody who doesn't want to attend? They just flat out, they're not engaged with the company, and that's a really hard thing it's a really hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow. It, it is. Because it kind of feels like the employee's kicking back at you. And that's not necessarily the, the case, all right? I, this is something I've experienced. I experienced actually in my last position where we had an employee who absolutely refused to come and kind of made a stink about it behind the scenes. But the, the fact of the matter is is that at the end of the day, if an employee refuses to go to a party, there's a, they are sorely disconnected And they don't want to be socialized with work. Now, there are people that won't attend these things for religious reasons, and I completely understand that. And, you know, we're not going to go there. But it's the ones that are disconnected, they're the ones that are not really wanting to expose themselves to work any more than they have to. They're there to punch a time clock. They're highly, highly disengaged. And in some cases, they may be even a little disgruntled against the company. So how do you deal with those people? Well, one of the things, like I said, is to make a party voluntary. If you make something voluntary, then really find that place in you as a leader, as a company owner, as an HR person, whatever as you know some of those pinnacle individuals in the company have find that place where you can just be cool with it. If they don't want to attend, that's fine. You know what? There's no harm, no foul. We let them know that, you know, it's like, "Listen, we'd love to have you there. We really would. We want to be able to celebrate with you." If they don't want to go, don't push the issue. Call it quits, okay? Now, I'll tell you, years ago, I worked for a company and the year prior to my attending the first holiday party there was a fatal accident that took place as a result of alcohol that was consumed at a party elsewhere in the company it didn't happen in my location but happened elsewhere in the country and so the corporation had decided that's it we're not going to be serving alcohol at our party and but we never said you can't go out and celebrate you know, on your own after that. Well, there was a significant chunk of employees that actually, they didn't like that. I mean, they got really offended by that. And they got really down in the mouth that not understanding that, and, they're, and I totally get their logic and I totally get their reason. And, and their position, And the reason was, look, we're, we're grown adults, okay? We can choose to do what we want and when we want. And so they decided to not attend those parties and they wound up doing their own thing. But you know what? It was unfortunate because it was a fracture. In my opinion, it was an unnecessary fracture because, you know what? It's three hours. You can have dinner with a soda or a pop or whatever you guys call it. You can have dinner with water. And you know what? Go out and party afterwards. Continue the party on. It's perfectly fine. But, you know, they got really down in the mouth about it. So quite a few of them actually started to not attend. And eventually some of them wound up coming back in because they they heard how much fun we were having. So, um, you know, what? it's perfectly fine if somebody decides that they don't want to attend a company party. No problem. Now, if somebody if you're sending somebody on a business trip to where they have to represent the company at an event, then yes, they should be held for that Um, I attended an awards event not too long ago, uh, and I got to tell you, out of 600 people, when it came time for the biggest award to be awarded, there were several companies uh, and their representation that got up and left. I thought it was completely bad form on behalf of that, but on top of it, because they left early, they wound up missing out on receiving and being acknowledged for some of the awards that were being announced so you know shame on them for that and if I was a supervisor I'd be asking them what the heck I'd probably have a few other choice words and I really don't want to flip the show over to explicit so we're just going to leave it at that okay but going back to the original subject you know it it's, it's okay if they don't want to show up that's fine you know let them be they just they may have a perfectly good reason they could be depressed who knows okay don't push the issue that's the whole one of the reasons why we want to make it voluntary Okay, so connect with other HR champions in the, next, uh, in the new Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group. Connect with other HR champions in the new Next Gen Women in HR site. You're going to get, again, great tips, current events, and information on building your HR skill sets. This is our tribe of women, and we are working in HR either as part of their job, as part of their chosen career. Super excited. You're going to see me in there. I'm going to talk about it anymore because that's how excited I am about it. Um, You will register me as a dork here in a little while if if I get on this tangent. But you can find me also in other places. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook over at Best Practices in HR. You can find me over on LinkedIn by just typing in my name, which is Brenda Neckvottle. The last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L always pushing out uh, lots of really interesting information out there. And you can go ahead and find me over at bestpractices.org website. Click connected to the top of the page and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. Well, folks, thank you again, really, for a phenomenal 2019. I'm super stoked about 2020 and all that is coming our way. It's going to get interesting. It's going to get hairy. It's going to get challenging. And, uh, you know, we got a presidential election that's coming up and we are definitely going to be ramping up um, a lot of changes in this decade. So cannot wait to walk the walk with you guys and ride the challenges. And thanks again so much for being part of this journey. Here's to the beginning of a successful second year together. And please continue to join me. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one.